Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. Welcome to episode number 154 of the podcast with Damian Murdoch. Now, today we're talking about changing your emotional state and really taking control of anxiety and other issues that may you may be rejecting in your life or avoiding or different things like that. Now, um, Doc's going to talk about a number of different things today, but what I really love about today's chat is he uses so many personal stories and vulnerability is through the roof and people will be able to resonate that with that. Now, Doc talks about a fear of public speaking. Um, and then how bad it got that he couldn't even leave his house, right? He really struggled to even go and buy the newspaper. And and what he's done from there, he's gone and studied. He's done so many different things on mindset. Um, and not only that, he has faced his fears. And you could think about that. If you were suffering from bad anxiety, he challenged himself and did a stand-up comedy routine. He's done numbers of speaking gigs now. He's emceed weddings. And these are things that used to terrify him. So we're going to really talk about that today. We're going to talk about ways that you can overcome these things with fresh start and really challenging yourself to find your vision and purpose in life. And um, I really enjoyed today's chat. And as I said before, it is just all about Doc sharing his story and how powerful that can be. So guys, sit back, relax. This is going to blow your mind. Episode number 154. Alright everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited. I've got Damien Murdoch here all the way from Noosa, sunny and beautiful. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, Sidey. And, uh, mate, now we're just talking a little bit off air. Obviously, Noosa, beautiful part of the world. You've uh, sort of landed on your feet going from Shepherd and Country Victoria, a little bit cold. Now, Noosa, sunny, beautiful every day. Yeah, it's been like that. It's actually raining today, funnily enough, but it's the first <laughs> time. Yeah, about the first time in two months, I'd say. It's been beautiful up here recently. Now, mate, let's uh, let's get stuck into it. So, obviously, today we're going to be talking about taking control of anxiety. So, before we get into your story and everything like that, because um, that's going to be the really powerful sort of, <clears throat> sorry, mate, area that we're going to go on with today. But um, just a little one. Does something like this, having this locked in, doing a podcast, do you get nervous or do you get anxious before doing something like this? Uh, it's been interesting because I, I used to uh, I used to get panic attacks before something like this. So it's been an interesting uh, build up to this. This is the third podcast I've done, and this time I just noticed, yeah, I, I, I didn't really get many nerves. So so that was a bonus. That's that's great. So let's we're obviously going to talk about the great work you're doing with world class friends now and and having such an impact on so many people. But um, I love the pair of storytelling and I think yours is awesome, Doc. So let's go back to where it sort of all started, mate. When I think it was about fifteen or twenty years ago, from reading uh, your website and everything like that, when you're in Shep and you owned Yahoo Bar and things like that, mate. Do you want to just sort of paint the picture for everyone? Yeah, well, it was 2004 was when I had, yeah, what I call a meltdown. Um, and it, it had been, now I can sort of track it back to um, things that happened back when I was, you know, 14 years old. And from that, there was a series of a chain of events um, which led to me having a fear of public speaking. And so I, so I already, already had sort of an anxiety issue around certain things. But then in 2004, there were some things happened and it got to the stage where um, I was having these panic attacks every day. And so it got 
yeah, I was having trouble leaving the house and then, yeah, it got to the stage where I was having trouble leaving the, the bedroom and, yeah, I was in a pretty bad way there. So was there something that triggered this, mate? Like was it – or was it just a combination of slowly building up and, and not knowing it and then all of a sudden it was sort of debilitating? Well, it's – yeah, it was a, it was, it was a build-up over years. So basically I was uh, – the short story is I was, a, I was a confident kid. I loved public speaking. That was just my assumed job really. Um, always expected to get given those roles. But then as a 14-year-old, I just had – suffered rejection for the first time and it was just a normal teenage thing but it was it was the meaning I put on it was um was what sort of did the damage over over a long period of time I think and then I sort of lost my social status if you know what I mean from that um with yep. just having a couple of mates reject me and then I set up this at the start of year 10 I remember I made a decision that I wasn't going to say anything unless I knew it was a winner. So I set up this um, dialogue in my head, which turned out to be really unhealthy. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah so that's so you're, you're continually judging everything that comes through your head. And so that's that over the course of time, that just, um, yeah, became really unhealthy thought patterns. And uh, there's a few, few things that happened, you know, a few 21st speeches and a few work presentations and things that, that didn't go great. And so... I made a decision that I wasn't going to speak in public, that I wasn't a good public speaker. And uh, that was the end of it for a while. But then I was working in London when I was about 25 and I just had to do, um, I just had to speak briefly at a sales presentation and I had a panic attack and I didn't understand what was happening. But as, as it came to my turn, we we're going around the, around the table and as it came to my turn, I just, my heart started beating out of my chest and, um, I just, yeah, I didn't know what was coming over me, but I got up and just rushed out of the room. And after the way that that turned out, it's a pretty funny story to look back on, but um, what actually, how that played out. But after that day, I decided I was never going to speak in public again. So I lived my life from that moment, just avoiding situations um, where I might get asked to speak in public. And that's, long term led to then another few things happened and then those yeah your sort of comfort zone started to close in on me and I got to the stage where I was having panic attacks you know ordering lunch and um, just doing basic things and that yeah then it it just snowballs and yeah all of a sudden you're you're having trouble even leaving the house to go to the corner shop to buy a paper and um, yeah and it was hard to hard to get out of, out of my bedroom there for a while so when it gets to that stage, that's pretty yeah, it's yeah, it's a torturous sort of thing to get through. Oh, mate, I, I couldn't imagine, and and I know personally, I, I've suck, suffered anxiety, but not to that degree. And I, I know so many people out there sort of suffer in silence. And I suppose rejection, um, avoiding situations. If you're just going to avoid it, it's sort of going to build up, build up, build up. And by the sounds of things, that it, it just got to a stage where you couldn't actually live life. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how it was like it was where I regard as rock bottom was when um got to the stage where my only outing for the day was to to go to the and buy a newspaper and that sort of gave me a bit of an escape for a bit you know for those couple of hours I was reading the paper and I used to go to the and I'd make sure I had the right change so that the transaction was as quick as possible and I just remember I was outside this shop um in St George's Road in Shepparton it was and 
I just couldn't go in there. And that was just, I was pacing up and down trying to work up the courage just to go in and buy a paper. And um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then that, that the, the week or two uh, surrounding that was like a really low time, you know, so. Yeah, mate. It, it, well, I'm just sitting here thinking like, because people will do simple transactions or conversations like that every day and, and you don't realise what it's like until you hear somebody's story like that. So let's go step forward from that. So um, you obviously left Shepparton um, and I know you've done a truckload of work. You've got your master's. You've done all these things. Um what was what was the the first step from going from you know not being able to buy the paper or going that stop? How did you turn this around, mate? Well, initially, I, I took some time off work. I took months off work and sort of went for a road trip up the the coast, and then went back and tried to work again. That was still still no good. So I actually moved to Perth for a little while. I had my brother and some mates over there. So I just went over there and I just tried to introduce, I got a job as a landscape gardener and I just, the challenge each day was just to turn up for work. And it was quite a big landscape gardening business. And it was, the challenge was to turn up to work and just try to have conversations, you know, and I had good days and bad days. And, um, but eventually over months, I got to the stage where I was getting I was getting better and my mate offered me a job back in Melbourne as a bar manager, so that was another step. Um, and then I went back to Shepparton and just got the – I still had the business there, so I got that ready to, to sell. And then the day after it sold, I just moved to Queensland and just came up and just tried to sort myself out. And I went to uni for two and a half years. I did a Bachelor of Health Science um, just to learn about the, the body and what was happening. And then – at that time, I got into one of through one of my lecturers there. I, uh, she did some NLP on me, and that was that was amazing. As soon as I experienced that, I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I ended up going down more more the mindset route rather than the 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 nutrition side of things that I was doing up till that point. I just got really fascinated in 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 the mind and the power of it. Yeah, beautiful, mate. So how important was a fresh start for you? Like um, obviously you sold your business and you moved off, but um, when you up into sunny Queensland, how important was that just being in a new environment, just sort of starting fresh? Yeah, it was really important for me. It was just I had to change my lifestyle a bit and um, just get healthier and just try to just find out what was going on. I just I knew I had to rebuild myself basically, so – um, so I did that over the course of, oh, that was 2007, and I just learned, I was still, the first couple of years I was just, um, yeah, just still a bit lost and just trying to find my way, and then yeah, there was just some key key things that happened. Like I came across, um, I started to look outside the box a bit, so, because I'd been down, like I'd been to psychologists and so on, and that sort of wasn't helping. So I one one thing I did was I went to there was a, a company called Scary and Exciting. So they run a a, a skydiving uh, course, but they teach you how to jump out of a plane without any emotional response. And you know, so rather than feeling the adrenaline, they teach you to jump without adrenaline. And that was a really important course for me. Um, just to, because you really learn about how your body responds to your thoughts and what you're focused on, and that was that was huge. Um, I then did a public speaking course uh, and learnt more 
yeah, learn more about the way my body responds in certain situations and just learn different tricks and techniques to, to control my emotional state. And then I did, when, when I'd sort of learned all this stuff and I was starting to get good results from it, um, I, I did a, a stand-up comedy course, actually. Oh, that really? Was, yeah, it was like this. I'd done this, the public speaking, and I learned all this mindset stuff, and I'd, I'd, I'd started to work with people and teaching people these tools. And then I sort of had the eyes. I actually saw a poster for a stand-up comedy course, and it sort of pricked my interest, but then I sort of tried to talk myself out of it. Um, but eventually, like, I just kept playing on my mind, and I knew that I had to, if I wanted to walk my talk, I had to, I had to do that because it was like the biggest, uh, it was the scariest thing I could think of. And yeah, it was gonna, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, and it was going to force me to use everything that I'd learned. And, yeah, and it did that. And it was really – that was a really important step for me. And how – so obviously when you've got severe anxiety and you, it looks like there's no way out, doing something like that would just be non, not even non-negotiable. You couldn't even think about that. So obviously the work you'd done on yourself, Doc, was setting yourself up, you're helping others, and then it was about obviously challenging yourself and pushing yourself further. So um, what was that like? And once doing the course, have you actually got up and done a routine? Yeah, yeah, we did a gig. It was a six-week course, and then we did a gig in front of 220 people. Wow. And, yeah, and that it did. It, it, it was perfect for me because it, it really tested everything that I'd learnt. So for starters, I'd learnt memory techniques so that I, I remembered all, all my routine, so I had that down pat. But then there was interesting, like, you know, 10 minutes before I was due to go on, like I still had all the same old – fears that come up because that's really natural for your brain to, to do that. It shows you everything yeah. that can possibly go wrong. And I remember looking outside the out through through a window and my you know my mind just starts saying, look, you can just leave. You know, you you got nothing to prove to these people. You know, you've you've you know, you can just um walk out the door and, and take off, you know. And in the past I'd I'd fled situations like that. You know, there was there was a time when I went for a job interview and um the, the lady who was interviewing me got up to make a cup of tea while I filled in some forms. And when I got back, when she got back, I wasn't there, you know, I just took off. Just, had to, just gone. Yeah, I was just gone, you know. And I had to, there was there was different things over the years that, you know, when you're dealing with this anxiety, you do some pretty weird things and um, just to get out of situations because you're having these responses in your body and you've just, you know, it's a fight or flight response and it's just sometimes you just flee, you, you know what I mean? So, it was that response was still kicking in that night of the the comedy comedy gig, but I was able to recognise it and control it, and then able to use um, you know I call one of the tools I use is emotional um, the emotional state control is the trinity of emotional state control, and it's focusing on using your physiology for starters, so your breathing and your posture and so on, to get the right chemicals pumping around your body, and then making sure your self-talk's really healthy and making sure you're focused on the result you want and you're running the mind movie of what you want to happen, so the gig going really well. So I was able to use all that to control my emotional state. And then just as my name got called, I, you know, I used something that um, is called an anchor to just trigger you into the emotional state that you, that you want to be in given the gig. Uh, so I was able to use all those tools. It, it felt like a grand final to me. So... Got no everything doubt, mate. That, yeah, everything that I'd learned had built up to that night. And then on the night, 
I used everything that had uh, yeah that I'd learnt to yeah, and it, it went really well. So that was yeah, that was a big step. I bet, mate. So that's that's so impressive because I could imagine so many people listening along now. A stand-up gig would just te- like terrify people. So you've obviously it's like doing a, a pre-season. You've played the home and away. You finished on top. You've gone into the grand final. What was the feeling like during the stand-up gig and and at the end? What what was the feelings that came over you when you'd actually instead of like running out of a job interview or all these different things, you'd faced up to it and you'd owned it. It, yeah, it's an amazing feeling, and that's what I always say. You know, that there's all those quotes around your comfort zone, like life begins at the end of your comfort zone, and I, yep. I really believe in that. I'm, I'm a big believer in that um, because the biggest, when you look back at your life, when I look back at my life anyway, the highlights of my life are when I've got outside my comfort zone and, and you prove to yourself you can do it, and that comedy gig is is one of those, you know, and it's just um, – and that's where – with. With what I do with people now, that's a big part of it um, is in getting outside your comfort zone and turning it into a bit of an adventure and having some fun with it, you know, and getting over it, using that, you know, that's a part of getting past your anxiety because to get over anxiety, you're going to have to, it's going to take some courage and you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone at some stage. So it's about turning that into something that's a bit more fun and and adventurous and, um, you know, something you can something that we tackle together, you know, with um, with a bit of support. Yeah, I, I love that. So let's obviously just mention that, that support's crucial um, and also challenging yourself. And I believe anybody, Doc, in real life or that don't doesn't suffer from anxiety, that even stepping out of your comfort zone and pushing the boundaries um, is something we all need to do. But let's get back to obviously anxiety and stress and because they play such crucial roles in mental health at the moment. What are some other sort of actionable tips that people listening along now could implement if they know somebody else is suffering from anxiety or they may have some of those triggers themselves? Well, there's one that there's, there's two ways to, to tackle anxiety. Basically one is consciously with your mind. So, you know, I teach tools that help you do that. And one I mentioned there before, where you've got the trinity of emotional state control. So you've got three ways to control your emotional state or change your emotional state. And that is, you know, using your physiology. So um, things like um, your posture, you know, I don't know with what you do, whether you use the the power stance or the Superman stance. Yeah, where it's all about your stance and then that radiates your um, energy and everything like that. Yeah, and so when when you're in that stance, Tony Robbins talks a bit bit about it. So cortisol decreases, which is the stress hormone, by fifteen percent, and testosterone raises by twenty percent. So you're one more, third more likely to do things that you normally wouldn't do. So that's an example of posture, how it can change the the chemicals in your body. And breathing is important in that respect as well. So what you're trying to do with your breathing is switch from the fight or flight. Um, you know, your sympathetic nervous system to your parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and digest. So you're trying to use your breathing to do that. Um, so that's that's an example. So that's using your physiology. That's the first way to change your emotional state. The second is through your self-talk, making sure your self-talk's really healthy. Uh, now, people with anxiety generally, um, almost without fail, their self-talk isn't healthy. So they get caught up in... Um, in this spiral of negative self-talk, which leads to to the anxiety symptoms. And the third way is what you're focused on. That's the third way to change your, your emotional state. So making sure you're focused on on what you want rather than what you don't want. 
because basically the, the structure of anxiety is you're taking your mind out into the future and imagining bad things happening. So that's that's what it, basically what anxiety is. So um, using your focus, take, taking it back to things going well, um, to things that you know that you do want, and then focusing on the action you can take to get that. That's really important, and that'll that'll uh, change your emotional state as well. Yeah. So, do, so does that? So, Doc, does that sort of really come back to? And I, I know this is such a hard thing in today's age, but does that just come back to being present, like in the moment, and trying to not let the mind race to present or previous or future or anything like that, but just be constant in the moment? It does. Yeah, that's where it, it ties in. And if you if you listen to any elite sports coach, they'll just always bring it back to the moment. That you know, journalists when they're interviewing, they'll try to take them out into the future. You know, talk about finals or whatever. And coaches will always bring it back to what they have to do right now. Yeah, one, yeah. like one week, one week at a time. Exactly. Um, you know, one at a time. And you know, the great players. And even if you get, you know, someone like any anyone who's elite at what they do, whether it's U.S. Navy SEALs or you know Steve Irwin, when you hear about him and the crocodile, he just says he's so focused on what he's doing that he, on the crocodile that he doesn't know anything else that's around him. That's yeah. how present those elite people are. And that's sort of that's what you got to get to. You got to cut off all the you know the negative self talk and the the mind movies you're running of things going badly, and just bring it back to you know the picture, the mind movie of things going well, and just focus on that and what you can do in the moment to get that. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course it does, mate. And um, I I think that's probably one of the hardest things that people have to ish, like to battle with these days, Doc, because there are so many distractions. We're so accessible that there's so many things going on that just to be present in the moment is is getting harder and harder every day. So is there any daily routines that people can do to obviously master that um, and get better at the self-talk? Yeah, for sure. One is recognising your self-talk. Um you know, I went through life not even realising I was that there was voices in my head. It was just, it was just life. You know what I mean? But it's just, and w- with meditation, I think you know everyone's talking about meditation, and then you get people go, "Oh no, I can't meditate. I'm no good at it." I think, I think one thing that you can just realise with meditation is if you're just laying there, um, you know, being quiet, you don't have to think too much about. It. Just notice the thoughts you're having. And just and just recognize that you are thinking those thoughts, and then just try to let them go and bring it back to nothing. But then more thoughts will come in. But just even by just recognizing that you're having the thoughts, that's a really good start. Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, it does, mate. It does. And I so think th- people just expect results these days, Doc, and they expect to be good at something, and they expect to finish meditation and go, "Oh, I feel amazing." But that's not the whole point of it, is it? No, I don't think so. No, and I think that's where people are thinking um, they're expecting something magical to happen, and it's not necessarily about that. They might happen down the down the track, but if you just just recognise the thoughts that you're having, recognise what you're what you're being annoyed about, um, that's a really good start, and it sort of sets you up for the sets you up for the day because you can then deal with it there in the moment, and um, yeah, and it doesn't become a factor later later in the day. Yeah, and, and and it is one of those things, and it really does come back down to repetition. And I'm sure that's exactly what you're talking about with everything you're doing. That um, if you can consistently 
repeat certain actions. You may not be that good on the start, but like that, like your breathing, I think it's crucial. Um, meditation is another thing great in the morning. But um, if you avoid certain things, it's not going to get better. And if you sit uncomfortably and keep working at it, um, I'm a big believer that that's going to help every asset of your life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So with and with your self-talk, you know, like the meditation is a good way to get to know, you know, what that self-talk is, what thoughts you're having. And then I've got um, I've got a series of six questions that I call them meaning questions where you can just start to question that self-talk and question the meaning you're putting on things and the way you're interpreting events, because that'll have a big, big, that's a big factor in your anxiety as well, just the meaning you're putting on different things. So it's just basically when you when you have a thought, um, it's just questioning that. You know, does it really mean that? So the example that comes to mind with that is like you know public speaking. That's a problem with a lot of people, and that was a huge issue for me. So when I started trying to stand up in front of people and talk, I was still getting these um, you know panic reactions. But I was I was I was trying to get this the speech out, and I'd notice every look on every face in the room, and I was putting on meaning on every one of one of those faces, you know, oh, this guy's not interested, this guy thinks I'm thinks I'm an idiot or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas later, like after afterwards, a guy came up and said, oh, that was really interesting what you were talking about. And I'd realised that the meaning I put on things was just way, way different to the reality of it. Does that make sense? So it's just, yeah. so, so you just got to start questioning those meanings that you're putting on things. Um, yeah, but, and it does will help you do that and help you take charge of of that self-talk. Yeah, and it, it does really make sense. So um, I think we overanalyze things in our head and we end up coming to the negative instead of a positive. And when you just allow yourself to be present and keep talking, um, people will actually come up and they're probably the ones you think are really negative, but they might be really positive. It's just the way they look and the way you're yeah, looking exactly. at their face. Yeah. Like it, it's all in yeah. our head. So, Doc, yeah, from exactly. everything you've done, mate, like um, – it's a, it's a really impressive thing, and now you're helping other people. And how important has that sort of – obviously your passion from when you did your degree um, and everything like that, but um, how important is finding your purpose? And that's not just for you, but um, for, for for getting that direction back. Well, I call it a, a vision. That's what was really important for me. So just – yeah, it was just it was just huge for me. So, so basically – I knew I, I sort of did a lot of work, uh, and I've written an ebook on on the process. So I did a lot of work on um, creating this vision, which really inspired me, because that's where we're not talking before about getting out of your comfort zone and getting how important that is. To get outside your comfort zone takes courage, and courage is there, there's this famous this this quote that really made a massive difference um, to me. So I was. I was in. I was in a. I used to go to all these personal development courses, and I'd try to talk myself into asking a question or, you know, admitting to my fear of public speaking, so that, you know, I could try to move past it. And I'd always leave these courses, and I hadn't done anything about it. Like I just, it didn't happen in the moment. And then there was this. I was at this personal development course in Brisbane. A guy called Chris Howard, and he did a talk on courage, and there was this this quote that that really stood out to me and it was that courage is not the absence of fear it's the realization that something is more important than the fear so your dreams your power your life and the lives of the people you you care about so that to me is like what the vision does if you've got a vision or you know you know your purpose is 
is how, is how you put it. It gives you that courage um, to to actually get out of your comfort zone and and do the things that are, that are going to make you better. And that that day was the the day that I heard that quote. That was when I, I put up my hand and I ended up on stage in front of a thousand people, and it was just it was a massive wow. Yeah, it was a massive difference for me. Just to that that really kickstarted things. Just having the courage to actually do that and get up there, and I wouldn't have had the courage to do that unless you know I had that that vision or that purpose unless I'd done that work beforehand. Does that make sense? Oh, it does, mate. It does. But what what was the, the turning point? Because obviously, as you said, a lot of people go to self-help and professional development things all the time, but they don't really action anything, and, and it all sounds good, but then you go to another one and, and nothing happens. So um, obviously, what there might have been what, – what else made you get up on stage that day? Because I could imagine that would have terrified the crap out of you, Doc. Yeah, it did. Like it, it went to – because I've been to other courses and, you know – I'd even like when you break off into groups of six and, you know, that just in that situation, I'd, I'd go to the toilet because I couldn't even talk to six people, let alone get up in front of the whole room. So it was just that on that morning, that quote actually just really hit home to me because I, I knew I did have big goals. There's things I wanted to do. And I knew that that was more important than the fear. Yep. And so when, whereas in other personal development course, I'd sort of half put up my hand, whereas this time when he asked for a volunteer from the crowd, I just stood up and threw my hand at him and he had no <laughs> choice. He had no choice but to, to pick me. It was just <laughs> it was just in that moment, it was just, you know, you know, I went for it. And then I didn't realise I was going to have to get up on stage at that, that stage. It was a bloke actually, when I admitted to, you know, my fear of public speaking, there was a guy behind me said, I will get up on stage then, mate. And I, I just shot him. It looks good, killer. Yeah, <laughs> because I was just I was horrified when he said that. But then next thing you know, the the guy on stage said, "Well, come come on up," and yeah, I got up there and he said, "You know, what do you what do you want to speak about?" And I just went completely blank. I was looking out at a thousand people and went completely blank. And I turned to him and said, "I oh, see, this is what happens. I I just go blank." And he said, "No, you don't. What do you want to talk about?" And I talked about courage, about how the courage to actually do that on that day um, yeah. and, yeah, and how that came from the vision of what I want to do. Wow. Mate, that, that is a really powerful story and I really enjoyed that. From everything you've just mentioned there, that that's probably the, the, the least thing I thought you were going to get up and do. So is that where sort of world-class friends came from and was that sort of your vision that you wanted to take charge of your anxiety and you wanted to help others? Do you want to explain a little bit about this, Doc, and the great work you're doing? Yeah, world-class friends, the company, the you know, the organisation I've started and every, everything I do is basically aimed at the person that I was when I was stuck in my bedroom. Like there's, there's one particular night which really stands out to me, which was just, um, yeah, it was just a horrific night and just the – the confusion that I felt in that room, um, just not knowing what was happening or or what to do about it, just completely lost. And so I, everything I do is aimed at that person in that situation who's going through this, who's going through, because you don't believe it ha- would happen to you until it does, you know what I mean? And I hear that all yep. the time from clients, you know, it's, yeah, they, they, yeah, you hear about anxiety, but you don't really get it until it happens to you. And, you, yeah, it's, um, it's a really... Yeah, it's really a horrific thing to go through. So in that moment, you, you need support and you need people who understand. You need a really you – ne- you need a good friend who supports you and also 
can, can has the tools and and strategies to to get you from where you are to where you where you need to go. So that's the idea of world class friend. I'm just trying to provide that um, that pathway. Yeah, and I'm sure people listening along can uh, some some of your stories, Doc, will be able to hit home with people because um, everybody I feel has probably had some form of anxiety along the way, but majority of the time we avoid it and we try and brush it aside. So I will have links in the show notes. This is episode one fifty four, um, so you can contact uh, Doc and and see the work he's doing, and maybe just even shoot him an email because um, there's no there's no case of this is anxiety, this isn't anxiety, or this is stress, and that leads to this. That everybody's different, everyone's unique, and um, I think they can really resonate with everything you've said. So, Doc, what from overcoming everything you've done, um, what are you most proud about from the last, you know, 15 or 20 years? Oh, good question. Um, basically just, I mean, yeah, going from the comedy gig to, you know, then I did a radio show, um, then basically just little things like emceeing a wedding, for example, you know. I've emceed a couple of weddings now, and that was just something I, I never would have been able to do. Um, doing this today, I mean, this is this is, this is is still big for me, you know, because it was such a fear. Like, I couldn't – even just making videos that I make for the, the website, I couldn't – I never used to be able to do that. I used to, I used to panic when I when – someone put a video camera in front of me, you know. So it's just all those little things that I still don't take for granted just every day, you know, and, and basically just every day. I don't, I don't have a day where, you know, where I, I get depression anymore and that's that's just huge for me and that's been seven, eight years because even right through back to when I was 14, it was just that my life was a roller coaster where, you know, I had amazing ups but then I had some really bad downs and I just don't – yeah, I don't, I don't get that anymore, and it's just, um, I suppose that's the, that's the thing I'm most proud of and, and happy about, and I, I don't take it for granted. Right, I, I love that, and and that's really important. So, do you celebrate those wins? Do you sit back and you know look where you've come from and actually give yourself credit? Yeah, I do actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe I do. I, I sort of, I part of getting anxiety um, is because I used to be really hard on myself. Yep. Um, and that's what I'm talking about with that self-talk. I was actually really hard on myself with that. So, yeah, I'm just a lot easier on myself and I just, yeah, I'm just continually thinking, oh, that, that was cool. I never would, would have been able to, able to do that in the past, you know, and it's just a continual, yeah, life's an adventure now. I just sort of, yeah, see what's, what's coming up next and, um, yeah, just look forward to everything. I, I love that, mate, and, and that's the reason I, I ask that question if you're nervous for this podcast at the start because when I was thinking about it and, and just sort of planning where the questions would go, I was, I was like, this probably is still out of your comfort zone and probably something that, you know, would bring back that anxiety. So I think everything you've spoken about today, mate, is um, so powerful and it's a credit to you that you've actioned that, you've done something about it, you've found your vision and you're following your purpose now, Doc. So, mate, for me, you should be really proud of that, buddy. Now, before I finish up here, because I'm aware of the time and I know that you're a busy man, I've got a couple of questions that I always finish off my interviews with. And one of them, if you could look back to 18-year-old Doc when you were just dominating, mate, in Shepparton, buying papers at St George's Road Milk Bar, what would that one bit of advice you'd give yourself from all the years of learning, studying, um, obviously the highs and lows, if you could go back and give your 18-year-old self one bit of advice, what would that be? Right. Um, yeah, I think, I think you 
the quality of your, your life basically is governed by your belief systems about yourself and the world and also the quality of your self-talk. So, you know, what you're saying to yourself. So I would love to have known that when I was when I was that age because um, I think it's, yeah, it's just super important. But I think I, overall I think just keep it light. Like there's, there's just times in my life where, like I said, I was just really harsh on myself and um, put big expectations on myself and just – took things a bit too seriously at times. So I think, yeah, just keep it light. It's really important. Keep it lighthearted and just everything's fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, that's a really good point because we are normally our biggest critic. Um, and that's why I ask about if you celebrate your wins now because too often we don't. Um, and I think that's a really big takeaway that you probably wouldn't have done that back in the day. You probably would have just brushed it aside, I'm guessing. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I gave myself yeah. credit for anything really. Yeah, and that's and that's and I and there's a lot of people like that, Doc. So yeah, if people sure. are listening, that that is that is crucial. You do need to celebrate the wins because there are down times, and you will be hard on yourself. So I really like that bit of advice, Doc. Awesome stuff. Now, final one, mate. Um, what legacy do you want to leave on the world? I know you've still got so many good years to go, but what do you what what, what footprint do you want to leave on the world when it's all said and done? Um, yeah, I mean. I'd- I'd love to be remembered as a as a good friend. My friends have been super important in um, you know what's happened in the last fifteen years. They've been yeah, I've been really well supported. So I would love to yeah to offer that support to other friends and to other people. And yeah, other than that, there's I suppose there's when I, when I look at. Um, Depression, there's 1.3 million, I think, is the latest figures of Australians on antidepressants. And I would love to contribute in some way to bringing that figure down because that's 1.3 million Australians have been to their doctor and said that they're struggling, you know. And I, I think, you know, with there's a there's a percentage of that is clinical depression and so on, but there's there's a section of that that I think can be changed through education. So... I would love to contribute to that to actually so people aren't going through uh, these hard times. It's a that's it's a really nice thing to say, and it's an alarming stat, really, isn't it? I, I talk about this a lot, Doc. That um, you know, I think there's somewhere like about eight hundred thousand deaths a year worldwide regarding like depression and suicide and stuff like that. So it's a really alarming thing, and I think if I could take anything away from what you've spoken about today, that is, it's not avoiding situations. It's sort of getting like not getting on with it, but figuring out what's wrong and then working at it because it's like anything in life. If you push something aside for long enough, it's going to come back bigger, better, worse, stronger, and it's going to cripple you like I've heard from you, mate. And I'm sure people listening can really, um, the vulnerability you've shown today, mate, has just been next level and, and they can really, really resonate that with. So if people are listening Doc, where can they find you? Where's the best spot to contact you and just say thank you for sharing your story or where can we find out more information for what you're doing? Okay, well, my website is worldclassfriend.com and on there there's there's a course. It's a series of videos so that you can, that you can have sent to your inbox and that will basically take you through um, how to take charge of anxiety, so sort of educate you on what's happening in your mind and body to create the symptoms and then and then the process we go through to, to do something about it. Um, I've got a page on Facebook called Taking Charge of Anxiety. 
So you can give that a like. Um, yep. You're sharing, sharing a lot of information there. And my email is doc, so it's D-O-C, at worldclassfriend.com. Perfect. Well, Doc, I'll, uh, I'll have links for all of those on the show notes. And, um, guys, I know Doc is very generous with his time, so I'm sure if you just flick him an email and um, just maybe even say that thank you for your story today because um, I'm sure a lot of people are listening thinking, oh, I've felt these symptoms or I've felt that before, and um, they're not nice things to go through. So, mate, for the work you're doing and, and not only just that but sort of owning up and taking control of your life and now having such a vision and a purpose of helping other people, made it it's really impressive and um i've really enjoyed today's conversation so for me thank you for sharing your story and um continue doing the great work yeah thanks i really really appreciate the opportunity mate uh, my pleasure mate cheers buddy <laughs>